Welcome back to another episode of the official review. And once again, it is just me tonight. Mitchell is a little under the weather tonight. Um, And so it's just going to be another solo episode. So for those of you that are going to tune in and watch, uh, I appreciate it. And we are really hoping to get both of us back on the same show, uh, back on a regular schedule, uh, probably next week, hopefully. Um, So... But we've got a lot of things to talk about. We're going to talk about the MLB playoffs that started today. Uh, I want to mention, I, I want to talk about the Trevor Bauer situation. I think it's probably the biggest story in baseball right now. Um, exploded all over Twitter today, uh, maybe even last night. But uh, I want to talk about that. I want to recap last week's uh, college football slate, and then we, we'll go right into making picks, and then we'll wrap the show up. So let's let's get right into the MLB playoffs. Uh, they kicked off today. Um, and the, the first game, the Rangers shut out the Blue Jays. That, that was a big win for them on the road. Uh, sorry, not the, not the Blue Jays. They shut out the Rays. Rangers were on the road at Tampa Bay, and um, uh, Mon- Jordan Montgomery pitched a fantastic game. He pitched seven innings. Uh, I think he had five strikeouts, six, six hits, no runs, no walks. Pitched a phenomenal game. And the Rangers go on to, to win in a shutout, four to nothing against the Rays. So they've got a huge advantage going into tomorrow night. Um, you know, the Rangers they they started off so hot and then kind of got cold after the All Star break and relinquished a a pretty big lead in the West to the Astros, but they still made the playoffs. So good for them to to win their first game, and then uh, a game that went final not too long ago, uh, the Twins. The Twins beat the Blue Jays at home. The Twins snap an 18-game playoff uh, losing streak. They had lost 18 consecutive playoff games until tonight. Uh, they they so good for them. Big win for them uh, beating the Blue Jays. You know Kevin Gosman, he's a dog, but they're able to get to him early and they're pitching uh, Pablo Sanchez. Not Pablo Sanchez. What is his name? Pablo Lopez. I was thinking backyard baseball there for a second. Pablo Lopez pitched a fantastic game for them as well. So good for good for the Twins. Uh, maybe they can make a little bit of a run, um, especially since they've been able to snap this long uh, playoff losing streak. Uh, and then right now, in the top of the second, the Diamondbacks and the Brewers are playing, and the Brewers currently hold a one nothing lead in that game. So uh, a lot of interesting games. Marlins-Phillies, I think, first pitch is in like 30 minutes. At eight o'clock, so a lot, lot of, lot of interesting uh, MLB playoff games. This is really when Major League Baseball is the most fun to watch. It's probably that way for you know. It's probably true of every sport. The playoffs are always the most fun time to watch a sport. So if you're not, if if you're typically not, you know, that into baseball, now is the time to to, to look to to, to watch it because uh, playoff baseball is different. Um, and this is, um, you know. I think the second year of their new playoff format where they have three uh three wild card teams and three division winners. Yeah, I think that's how it works. But um yeah. I'm interested to see that Marlins and Phillies series. You know, the Phillies knocked us off knocked us out and made it to the World Series last year and lost in the World Series. Um, but either one of those teams uh could potentially, you know, knock us off. So that that's the series that I'm gonna be watching because I think we play the winner of that series, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So um, definitely want to watch. De- definitely want to keep an eye on that. I love how Brian Snicker is preparing for the playoffs this year. Last year, you know, we had a we had a first round bye, and you know, we kind of just sat at home and just got rest and didn't really prepare for the playoffs. 
And then when the Phillies came around, you could tell we looked rusty and they were red hot and they beat us. But this year, Snicker has said that he's going to be doing simulated games all week to prepare for that first series. And fans can even come watch the simulated games. I think that's a great idea to keep the players kind of in a baseball is very much a rhythmic game. You know, you, you get yourself in a rhythm, you get yourself in a in a um, in a rut, uh, a routine. It's a very routine oriented game. And if you get out of that routine, it could be detrimental. And the playoffs is not the time that you want to be out of your routine. So good on Brian Snicker preparing differently this year. Um, you know, I've still got that Atlanta sports PTSD. So I just feel like we're still probably going to blow it somehow. Um, but we'll see. I mean, this is the best Braves team we probably ever had. And knowing our luck, we, we, we probably still won't win the World Series. But I'm rooting for us. I think we can do it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very concerned about our pitching. Charlie Morton's not going to be available for the entire NLDS. Um, and I think Max Freed is questionable for the NLDS. So that really puts our pitching in a bind. I'm a little worried about that. But I believe in my Braves. I'm... I'm uh, prepare for the worst, but expect the best. That's kind of my attitude towards towards the Atlanta Braves. Um, let's talk about the Trevor Bauer situation. This is probably the biggest news in in baseball right now. And if you're on, to, if if you follow sports at all, and you're on Twitter at all, you've probably seen this already today. But uh, Trevor Bauer, if you don't know who he is, he was a he was a, he's a former Cy Young Award winner. Uh, and Major League Baseball, which is like the the best pitcher award. Um, g- great pitcher. Um, he's always had kind of a, a kooky personality, um, but I, I like watching him pitch. He, he's he's super competitive. He's one of those guys that really loves the game of baseball. Um, he's a little cocky, and he can get under your skin a little bit. But you know, he he brings a little fun and entertainment to to, to the game. Um, but. You know, two years ago, he was accused of, you know, of sexually assaulting a, a woman. And, you know, not really much evidence was presented other than just an accusation. And the Dodgers, the team that he played for, the Los Angeles Dodgers, released him uh, without really hearing his side of the story, released him. I mean, he, they, they still owed him like, I don't know tens of millions of dollars. I want to say like 60 million, but that that number could be way off. They owed him like $60 million or something like that. But because of this accusation, they were able to cut ties with that without having to pay him his money. I think he went to jail for maybe, maybe not. Um, but two years of legal proceedings, no, no team in major league baseball is going to touch him because of the, because of this. He signs a one-year deal with, with the Japanese league. He's playing for a team over in Japan. Um, and just this morning, uh, Trevor Bauer released an update because it's the first time that he's been able to talk about it in two years with all the legal stuff that's been going on. You know, you have to keep that stuff hush hush while your case is going on. And as it turns out, he never did any of that. Um, you know, the, the there is there is evidence, there is picture evidence that he presents on this video that proves that this woman was was trying to take advantage of him to 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 get money out of him um she falsely accused him of something that he didn't do and she was texting her friends like this is my next victim and i'm gonna have to do this i'm gonna have to do these things 
and I can get a, I can get uh, some of that $51 million that he's worth. And then she asked her friend, what should I steal the night that she showed up at Trevor Bauer's house? So he obviously was framed. And look, we're not going to get into the, the, the politics of it or anything, but Major League Baseball owes Trevor Bauer a huge apology. They owe him a huge apology. And if possible, they they owe him some of that money that, that he that that he lost from this whole thing, because it turns out he's completely innocent. None of the things that she accused him of doing are true. He did not sexually assault anyone. And essentially, his Major League Baseball career was ruined. And he went from a $60 million contract for the Dodgers where, I mean, he's making, I mean, he's still making pretty good. You still make some pretty good money playing in Japan, but you're not making $60 million playing, playing for a Japanese team. You might make <clears throat> maybe one or two mil, which again, you know, one or $2 million is still a lot of money, but still, I, I think, I think you understand what I'm trying to say when major league baseball owes Trevor Bauer a huge apology. and his name needs to be cleared from this whole situation. Uh, and, you know, honestly, when stuff like this happens, I think that the person that falsely accused deserves severe punishment. I think they should be thrown in jail for the amount of time that the accused would have been thrown in jail had it been true. Because she completely, I mean, I don't know if a team's still going to sign, even though he's been cleared of all this, just because it might be a PR nightmare, who knows if a team is ever going to re-sign him again. And he's he's still kind of in the prime of his career. He's still a very good pitcher, um, you know. And these past two years, he could have been making all that money for the Dodgers. And Lord knows the Dodgers probably need another starting pitcher right now, even though they've played well and they're in the playoffs. They could probably really use Trevor Bauer right now. So the Dodgers and Major League Baseball both owe Trevor Bauer an apology. And I think the Trevor Bauer situation is also another lesson for all of us to when stuff like this comes out to just kind of let the investigation play out let due process play out um you know innocent until proven guilty is is what we should all live by when it comes to situations like this because i remember when this news first broke and, and to be honest with you i was i was guilty of it too i was like man if he really did that he's a scumbag and he's he's a weirdo he deserves to have his career ruined but you know as more and more Facts came out about it. I was starting to question it a little bit, but he was getting, I mean, he was getting obliterated on social media. You know, people just, just, just telling him that his career deserves to be over, that he's a horrible person. He should rot in prison for that. And it all was proven to be false. And to be honest with you, that happens a lot to professional athletes. And there needs to be, not just in Major League Baseball, but across all sports, there needs to be some kind of protection for these athletes when they get falsely accused. Now, now I'm not saying protection in terms of like, if they really did do something, cover it up. No, absolutely. If, if somebody does something like that, they deserve to be exposed. They deserve to have their career ruined and all that. Throw them, throw them underneath the prison. But there's been so many cases in the last five, 10 years of NFL players, MLB players, NBA players who've been falsely accused in order to get money out of them and it ruins their life and it ruins their careers. And there needs to be some kind of protection put in place for that. And I think a lot of times these teams, in order to avoid a PR nightmare, just jump the gun, release the player, cut all ties with them. When I wish some of these teams would say, you know what, we're not going to necessarily cut the player. 
you know, we'll, we'll, we will still keep him on our roster until the investigation is complete. Then once the investigation plays out, if he's guilty, we'll, we'll cut him. You can even withhold some of that money too, just so that he's not getting money while the whole thing's going. I don't know. There, there, I don't really know the perfect solution, but there's got to be some kind of protection that we put in for these professional players that get falsely accused. Um, and not just professional, anybody. There needs to be there needs to be repercussions for making false accusations like this because it not only ruins careers, it ruins lives. So um that's really all I have to say about the Trevor Bauer situation. Let's talk about um let's talk about some of the college football games from last week. We, we know that's what most of you come here to listen to, the college football stuff. Not a whole lot of baseball fans listen to the show, and that's perfectly fine. Um so well, let's get into the bread and butter. Let's talk about some of the games last week. Um, let's start with Utah, Oregon State. That was a great, you know, I was, I was at the beach when this game was going on and I was watching it. Um, I think I fell asleep like start of the fourth quarter. But I was the only one on this panel that picked Oregon State. I still believe in Oregon State. You know, Utah, they, they, they have an elite defense. I, I think Utah is one of the top five defenses in the country. They are very, very good. Matter of fact, with the way this may sound crazy, but the way Georgia's Georgia's defense has been playing lately, I think Utah is a better defense than we do this year, honestly. Um, but unfortunately, until Cam Rising comes back, Utah is gonna is gonna lose more games because they cannot throw the ball downfield. Um, Nate Johnson, Nick Johnson, I don't remember his name. I think his name is Nate Johnson. Is 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 a horrible quarterback, horrible. I think he was like four of eighteen before he got pulled, and they put in Bryson Barnes, and Bryson Barnes wasn't much better. So literally, the only thing they could do was run the football, and that was it. And they became completely one dimensional. Oregon State's too good of a team to lose to a one dimensional team. Now Utah's defense kept him in the game the whole game. But eventually it gets to the point where your offense has to be productive or you're not going to win anything. And so until Cam Rising comes back, this Utah team is in trouble because they were able to squeak one out against UCLA um, when they couldn't score any points. They won that game 14-7. to But when they play teams like Oregon and USC and maybe even Colorado, if they cannot score, if Cam Rising is not cleared to play, this Utah team's in trouble, and it's it's unfortunate because I like Utah. I like Kyle Whittingham. I love how physical this team is. They play like an SEC team out in the Pac-12. Um, so I like this Utah team, but they're in trouble. And you know, I and I, I said on this show, even if Cam Rising played, I still thought Oregon State would win the game. You know, they they were they were in wound what we like to call wounded animal mode, where they just lost a conference game. They have their backs against the wall. They can't afford to lose another one. They were in wounded animal mode. They were at home, and they played a great game. And Oregon's defense is not is not quite as good as Utah's, but it's still a very good defense. Kept them in the game. DJ Uyangalele looked looked rough to start the game, but started getting more comfortable as the game went on and made some made some big plays down the stretch and won them that game. So good on the Beavers. They're still very much alive in the Pac-12 race and even a potential playoff run. Um, so good on the Beavers. Utah, if you're a Utah fan and you're listening to the show, you better pray that Cam Rising is cleared soon because, you know, it, it's ugly without him. This offense, that, that offense is 
ugly without him. The last two games in a row, UCLA and Oregon State, that, that offense has just looked really, really bad without Cam Rising out there. The next one, Kentucky-Florida. I also was the only one on this panel that picked Kentucky to win this game. Look, Florida is now has now lost seven of their last eight road games. This Florida team is bad away from the swamp. And that's kind of what I, that was kind of the reason why I picked Kentucky because while Florida was playing well and they had all this momentum and they just blew out Tennessee and all that stuff, I didn't trust them. I don't trust them away from the swamp. And they proved me right. They're not a good team away from the swamp. You know, and I don't know if this is a Billy Napier issue. I know social media is kind of back and forth on, you know, whether, People want to fire Billy Napier or give him some time. I think you need to give the guy some time, honestly, because Dan Mullen left that program in shambles. But um, they're not a good team away from the swamp, and I can't trust them to win games on the road. I just can't. Like I said, they've lost seven of their last eight road games. Um, and I saw a stat that ever since that uh, that that epic cleat throw game where they lost because the whatever his name is threw that. I think Marco Wilson it was through that cleat and they lost the game. They haven't they they are they're 0 3 against they're 0 2 against Georgia. They're 0 3 against LSU. They're 0 3 against Kentucky. Like it's been it's bad. And this team's in a rough spot right now. I just it, it brings me joy, honestly, that, that Florida is bad. They cannot win a game away from the swamp. They don't look good away from the swamp. Um they haven't been able to stop the run. And credit to Kentucky, man. Ray Davis, Ray Davis looks like a legitimate Heisman contender. I mean, honestly. And I know Heisman usually goes to um, quarterbacks, but Ray Davis is legit. He is a legitimate Heisman contending running back. If you didn't watch him play this past weekend, he had 280 yards on the ground by himself. He was averaging over nine yards a carry against Florida. He had 209 yards in the first half. And I think he scored four touchdowns in this game in a 33 to 14 blowout of Florida. Look, Kentucky's a real deal team. And to be honest with you, they do concern me a little bit as a Georgia fan this week. I think this might be, uh, I could argue that either this year's team or two years ago were, are the best Kentucky teams that I've seen. But they do worry me. Now, it, may, it gets me a little bit more at ease. And we're going to talk about that game here in just a second when we get into picks. But what makes me feel a little bit better about that game is that it's at Georgia and not at Kroger Field this year. And Kentucky always, for some reason, they always play us close. They always play us close. I don't know why we can never get comfortable wins against this team because they're gritty. And look, hats off to to Mark Stoops. He's a he is a phenomenal head coach um you know he loves that program um and you know and and josh pate said this on his show uh the other day that kentucky and i completely agree with him kentucky is probably never going to be a place that the five-star recruits out of high school want to come to because kentucky at least their football program their basketball program is different their football program they're not gonna. They're not gonna whip out a Lamborghini for you to take a photo shoot in. They're not gonna, you know, roll out the red carpet and, and treat you like royalty and and be all flashy 
with your official visit to come play for them at Kentucky. But what Kentucky will be from this point forward is they will be a hotspot transfer portal destination, especially for upperclassmen. Because most upperclassmen that are playing football, they don't really care about all the flash anymore. They've already experienced college football for the last two years. At this point, most of them have matured. They've realized, look, none of that stuff really matters. Can you get me prepared? Can you develop me for the next level? How's your strength and conditioning program? Like, that's what they care about. And Kentucky is good at all three. Their culture is great. There's not a lot of staff turnover at Kentucky. I think they're going to be a great, they're going to be a perennial transfer portal spot. And they already have because Ray Davis is a transfer portal. Devin Leary, you know, and I think they're going to continue to get good transfer portal classes every year for guys that are not looking for the flash and the bells and the whistles. They just want to play ball. They want to make a difference and they want to be ready for the next level. And I think they're Excuse me, I had to sneeze there, but um, I think they're going to be a perennial place for 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 transfers to want to come play for. Um, the Texas A and M um, Arkansas game, all of us picked Texas A and M to win that game comfortable, and we were right. Look, Sam Pittman's on the hot seat, and I love Sam Pittman. I think he's a great guy. I think he fits Arkansas, but just because your personality fits a place doesn't mean that you're the best guy for the job necessarily. And it doesn't get more LSU than Ed Orgeron, right? Ed Orgeron is the definition of a raging Cajun. He is, he is the definition of an LSU guy. And yet he wasn't the right guy for the job. And I think, I think we're realizing and we're seeing that Sam Pittman is probably the same situation with him. You know, he had a good couple. He had a good couple first years, or first couple of years. Sorry, can't talk. First couple of years there, but if you really think about it, he was playing well with Chad Morris's recruits. Now that he's gotten his recruits in there, they're not. They're not winning big games. They're not winning these games that. And even if they weren't winning, they're not close. They're not. They're not staying competitive in these games. I know they just lost to LSU by three last week. But is LSU really as good as we thought they were after they lost? Um, you know, and that's a rivalry game, but they're not even being competitive. They're not using KJ Jefferson the right way. I don't know, man. I don't know who Arkansas can go out and get, but I'm really starting to think that Sam Pittman probably not going to be in Arkansas much longer. Um, Texas AM, good win for them, though. Uh, that Max Johnson. Stepped in as I thought he would, played really well, won that game for them. Um, the Clemson game, Sy- Clemson-Syracuse ended up being a blowout. Don't need to talk about that game. Um, Texas-Kansas, felt like this game would have been a lot closer if Jalen Daniels would have played. He was like a last-minute scratch right before kickoff. So he flared up his back issues like the morning of the game. So Jason Bean had to play. And while Jason Bean's not a bad player, uh, I felt like this game would have been a lot more competitive had had Jalen Daniels been able to play, but he didn't. And Texas took care of business. And look, they're not sleepwalking through any of their games. They 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 came out. They played well. They're I think they're kind of like Georgia. They're a lot better in the second half. They they start a little bit slow in the first half. They really get going in the second half, and they ran away with it. LSU losing to Ole Miss, you know, and <laughs> I might need to if. 
I might need to uh, administer my first apology to Lane Kiffin because I I dogged Lane Lane Kiffin on this show last week, and I said that Lane Kiffin cannot win big games, and that he was one and nineteen, one win and nineteen losses against teams that finished the year with nine wins or more. Now LSU, if they lose two more games, then that 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 doesn't go then. Lane Kiffin will still be one in nineteen against those teams, but that's a big win for them. There was absolutely zero defense in this game. There was like over thirteen hundred yards of offense, and it, it was just crazy. Ole Miss was able to pull out the win. Good for them. Good, good win. That's a good win. They were also in what we like to call wounded animal mode. Can't afford to lose a back-to-back conference game. Whatever they couldn't figure out against Bama, they figured it out against LSU. Now, I said LSU's biggest weakness was what? Their secondary. And it showed big time. But they weren't just letting up big pass plays. They couldn't stop Quinchon Judkins either. And LSU, this is... Now now shifting the attention to LSU, this is the softest LSU defense I've ever seen. I've never seen an LSU defense look this bad. And it's really bad. You can't let up... You can't let up over 700 yards offense to Ole Miss. You, you can't do that. And we knew their secondary was going to be a little bit of an issue this year, but not even their front. Like where, like, where has Harold Perkins been all year? I feel like Harold Perkins hasn't done anything this year. Mason Smith's not making that much of an impact. Their front seven's not making much. And we already know their secondary is not good. If I'm an LSU fan, honestly, I'm very concerned because – this defense is not good. I don't think they beat Bama now. You know, they're kind of, I mean, they already have two losses, but they still have a chance to win the West. They're going to kind of be in wounded animal mode this weekend. But I don't think it's going to matter, man. Like this, de- the, this defense has major problems that I don't know are fixable at this point. I don't, I don't think they're fixable. Whenever they play elite offenses or competent offenses, they cannot stop it. And they've really only played two decent, well, they played three decent offenses. They almost lost to Arkansas because they couldn't stop them. They did lose to Ole Miss and they did lose to Florida State. Every competent offense that they faced, they've looked bad. And it's not just that they are strong against the run, bad against pass. They're bad against both. And I'd be very concerned if I was an LSU fan, especially on the D. Their offense is fine. LSU's offense is fine. They can get into shootouts, but I don't think they're going to win them because I don't think they can rely on their defense to get a stop. Um, Tennessee, South Carolina, kind of went about as expected. Um, you know, this is a re- big time revenge game for them. South Carolina's offensive line is was was really bad. Uh, poor Spencer Rattler. Um, don't not a fan of the comments that he made. Oh, this was their Super Bowl, dude. Just just take the loss and 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 walk away. You don't really need to say that. Um, but yeah, I don't, not really much else to say about that game. Went about as, went about as expected. South Carolina really couldn't do a whole lot to stop, uh, what Tennessee was doing. And I feel like South Carolina could have potentially won the game had they just been able to keep Spencer Rattler off the ground, but they just couldn't. So, um, South Carolina is not a very good team this year. Illinois, Purdue. That game definitely did not go as expected. Purdue kind of blew out Illinois there. Big win for them. Then the Notre Dame-Duke. This game, 
I just feel like every game Notre Dame is going to play this year is just going to be a low-scoring slugfest. I think that's how they want to play. Um, hate it for Riley Leonard to get hurt at the end of that game. I was rooting for Duke. Duke was winning when I fell asleep, like in the fourth quarter. And then apparently Sam Hartman converted a huge fourth and 16 that ended up winning the game for Notre Dame, 21 to 14. So big win for Notre Dame. They, re- they had to have it. Again, wounded animal mode. They had to have this win. And this is not your this is not your older brother's Duke team. This is not your grandpa's Duke team that was horrible at football. This is a legitimate Duke team. And Mike Elko, fun fact, in the two he's only been there a year and a half. Mike Elko still has yet to lose a game by double digits. So this Duke team is legit. They're they keep game if they don't win, they at least keep the game really close and they and they make you nervous. This is a good Duke team. That's a good win for Notre Dame there. Um, so good on them. Um, I also want to, you know, talk a little bit about the, the, the Georgia game this past week. Look, that game's always close going into Jer- and, and I mentioned it before the season started that going into Jordan Hare for Carson Beck's first road game, that, that game scared me. It's Carson Beck's first road start. You know, we kind of hadn't played a huge opponent yet. Auburn. Wounded animal mode coming into that game. Now, I did say on the show last week that I was feeling more comfortable about us winning that game comfortably. I was wrong. I mean, I'll say this about Georgia, and then we'll get into picks. I just want to briefly talk about the Georgia Bulldogs. This is the this is the worst team we've had in three years. I don't think this team could beat 2021 Georgia or last year's Georgia team. Now, that does not mean... I think we're a bad team. I still think that we are good enough to win a national championship. I really do think that. Now, three-peating is something that has never really been done in the modern era. Hasn't been done since the 30s. So I, if I'm being totally honest, gun to my head, I don't think we three-peat just because of how hard it is to three-peat. But this is also the worst team we've had in three years. This defense, while our defense is still very good, they're not elite. I don't think this defense is elite. The last two years, matter of fact, I think the last, even in 2020, our defense was elite. Elite, cream of the crop good. Like, top two in college football good. Whereas this year, I think our defense is more so top 15, top 20. Maybe, maybe even maybe even sneak them into the top ten, but they're definitely not as good as they have been the last two years, and that's fine. Um, our offense, I feel like our offense is not not bad either. I know Bobo's been catching a lot of flack. Carson Beck's been catching a lot of flack. Bobo's been calling pretty decent games. People are like, why does he keep running up the middle? Because look, you run up the middle to set up plays later on in the game. The best offensive coordinators. Don't just call plays for that moment in time. They call plays to set up other plays. So when we run up the middle and only gain two yards, we're like, why do we keep doing that? Because it sets up other things later on in the game. It sets up that big downfield pass where we score on a 40-yard touchdown pass. So just stop with that. Bobo has been fine this year. He's been absolutely fine. And even if he has had gotten off to a slow start, he's made adjustments in the second half. Carson Beck has been, statistically speaking, one of the better quarterbacks in college football this year. 
So he's fine. Our biggest issue on offense is we got to stop turning the ball over. We just got to stop turning the ball over and we need to get healthy. We got to get Amarius Mims back. We got to get Lad McConkie. I mean, Lad McConkie finally played this past weekend, but he was on a limited snap count. We just got to get Lad McConkie back and healthy. Um, you know, and got to stop turning the football over. I think we're going to be fine, but, um, you know, this Georgia team, we might lose a game in the regular season this year. And you know what? That might be exactly what we need. We might need that a little bit of a wake up call. I, I don't know. I still think, I still think we are going to go 12 and 0, but it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if we didn't. I still think we're going to go to the SC championship game. I think we can win the SC championship game. I think we can even win the playoff game and even win a national championship. But that's my observation that this is this is the worst Georgia team we've seen in three years. And we're spoiled as Georgia fans. Because the last two teams we've had have been amazing. Amazing. And this team is still very, very, very good and still good enough to compete for a national championship because really nobody has kind of stood out yet. Nobody's really stood out as wow, that team is head and shoulders way better than everybody else. I haven't seen one yet. So Georgia's still very much in it, still very much can win the national championship, but that's just an observation that I had. Now let's get into our weekly predictions. Um, Obviously, I will be reading uh, Mitchell and Cody's picks for this week since they are not here. First game, Maryland-Ohio State. This game over the last couple of years especially has always been particularly close. But I'm going to go with Ohio State, and I'm going to go with Ohio State big. Um, matter of fact, let me let me give you a score update. I always forget to give you guys a score update. I I had a huge week last week. I scored 14 points. Mitchell had a historically bad week, only scoring five, and then Cody scored 10. So that leaves the score at Zach, myself, 61, Mitchell at 42, and Cody at 40. So Cody's creeping up on Mitchell. He's got to have a better week this week than he did last week, or he's going to fall into last place. But Maryland-Ohio State, back to that. Um, I think Ohio State wins this game big. And I know Mitchell, you know, when he was texting me his picks, he says that he really feels like people are sleeping on how good this Maryland team is. I don't think anybody's sleeping on them because Maryland has done this for the last, like, four or five years in a row, basically ever since Mike Loxley has been there. They start off 4-0, 5-0, 6-0. And then they get into the back half of their schedule, which is always a lot tougher than the front end of their schedule. And they lose like the last four out of six games they play because they're, they're, they're not that good. They're good enough to beat teams they should beat. But when it comes to the big time matchups, they can't win those games. And, and, and that's also a sign when a team always loses more games in the back half of the season. It's a sign of a team that doesn't get better. They're either staying the same or they're getting worse. And while I like Talia Tagovailoa, I don't think I don't think Maryland has a chance. Not only that, I looked at, over the last like five or six seasons, Ohio State coming off a of bye week, which is what they're coming off a of bye week in this game, have not won a game by less than like thirty points in the last five years, and they always play Big Ten opponents coming off a of bye week. I don't think it's any different today. I don't. They may not win by like forty or fifty. But I still think they can get a three possession win over Maryland this week. I th- and I and um, and I, I think I mentioned it last week. I think their win over Notre Dame was a program changer. And you said, "What do you mean a program changer?" Ohio State's always been good, yes, but o- over the last decade or so, 
Ohio State has never been able to win those close, gritty, physical games, and they finally won one against Notre Dame. They finally won that game, and their coach is fired up, their fan base is fired up, and I think that's the kind of win that lights a fire under your team and gets them to really start believing that they can that they can do this. And I think Ohio State, because of that win, is going to be a dangerous team moving forward. Um, so give me Ohio State big against Maryland in this game. Mitchell's going to go Ohio State close. And then Cody's got Ohio State comfortable. So all three of us have Ohio State, but different score differentials there. Uh, second game, LSU at Missouri. Now, I just got done talking about LSU a little bit. Um, like I said, I think they have major concerns on the defensive side of the ball. They did not look good against the run or the pass on this. And they're facing, they're going on the road. And Georgia fans, we know, off based off last year, how hard it is to win at Missouri. They almost beat us. They were like three minutes away from beating us last year. And we ended up winning the national championship by 50. Missouri is not an easy place to win. LSU just lost a road game at Ole Miss last week. They haven't played well outside of Baton Rouge this year. Their defense doesn't look good. Brady Cook has broken the SEC record for most pass attempts without an interception. He doesn't make stupid throws. He doesn't make bad mistakes. He's a good, he's a good quarterback. Luther Burden is a problem, a certified problem at wide receiver. He is an NFL wide receiver, hands down. And they already have secondary issues. Luther Burden is going to have a big game, I think, in this game. They're also going to have trouble stopping the run. Missouri's defense, while it's not as good as it has been in years past, is still very formidable. I think they're going to be able to, you know, cause some problems in the backfield, put some pressure on Jaden Daniels. Give me Missouri comfortable. I think LSU loses again this week. Give me Missouri comfortable in this game. I think this Missouri team is pretty scary. Uh, I think a lot of people are not talking about this team, and they really should be because of how good they are. Um, I think they, I think they are a very good team. So um, give me Missouri comfortable. Now Mitchell's going to go LSU close, and Cody also is going to go with LSU close. And I understand the pick. I understand the pick. But based off of what I've seen and what I've watched, I've got to go with Missouri. You know, I just, there's been a lot of chaos this year. Again, nobody's talking about this Missouri team. Everybody's been talking about how, why does Drinkwit still have a job at Missouri? He's underperforming. I think this is his chance to really make some noise now. Missouri has a very, very difficult schedule in the SEC this year. Very, very difficult. Matter of fact, let me, let me pull up their schedule because they've got LSU this week, which I'm, I'm by no means saying they're going to have an easy win, but I do think they will win. Then they've got Kentucky on the road. South Carolina, that's a win. Then they've got to play us, Georgia, on the road. Then they're going to play Tennessee, Florida, and Arkansas. That's not, a, that's not an easy schedule. But I think Missouri, right now, I'm torn between Kentucky and Missouri for finishing second in the East. I think this Missouri team is legit. Luther Burden is a problem. Give me Missouri comfortable. Next game, Washington State, UCLA. Look, Washington State's been playing really good. I mean playing a lot better than I thought. Cam Ward looks really good. He's he's been he's been lighting teams up, playing really well. UCLA, they've looked good other than the Utah game, they've looked good. And I was very high on this UCLA team. And look, Dante Moore, 
you can tell he's very raw. I mean, he's a true freshman. He's fresh out of high school. He's 18 years old, and he looked lost against that Utah Utah defense. Um, while Washington State has a pretty decent defense, it's not going to be near as good as that Utah defense. Uh, I think Dante Moore bounces back. Give me the Bruins to win a close game. Look, Washington State has been a, has been a great story this year. But Hansel and, Hansel and Gretel is a great story too. But all stories have to come to an end. I I I, I like this Washington State team. Got no problems with them. Still think they can win nine, maybe even ten games this year. But give me UCLA, UCLA at home to get a big win to stay alive in conference play. Um, again, Washington State's not in wounded animal mode. UCLA is. So give me UCLA to get a big win at home, um, but close. Mitchell and Cody are both going to go with the Cougars of Wazoo to win a close one. So that's another chance for me to pick up points on both of them. Uh, next one, another huge Mungus game. Huge Mungus. Alabama, Texas A&M. This is the second time in three years that the Red River shootout and this game has happened on the, on the same week. And I think, and, and two years ago, both games were incredible. The, the Oklahoma, the Oklahoma, Texas game, highest scoring game in, 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 in rivalry history. And then Texas A&M shocks Alabama and beats them. And I think we could have another similar week this week. I think both of these games are going to end up being really, really good. Texas A&M has bounced back since that Miami loss. I, the, every week, every week that Miami plays and every week Texas A&M plays, I really feel like Texas A&M that that really wasn't a bad loss against Miami. I think Miami's just a good team. I think they're actually a legitimately good team. Um, and defensively, DJ Durkin has kind of fixed some of those problems already. They're tackling better. They're blitzing. They're, they're, they're actually, their pass rush is actually getting to the quarterback finally. Um, Alabama, they've been getting better every week. I feel like since that loss to Texas, well, take out the USF game because Jalen Milrow didn't play. Ever since then, I feel like Alabama has progressively gotten better and better and better. And everybody's talking about how Nick Saban, for the first time in like four years, finally started screaming at people on the sidelines. And you know what? Maybe that's what this team needs because they were they got off to a slow start against a bad Mississippi State team. I thought Mississippi State would be better, but they're not. They're actually pretty bad. That's a, that's a different topic for another day. But Alabama, they were struggling early. And then he starts flipping out on assistant coaches and on players. And they were off to the races and won that game by like 30. So this Alabama team, I feel like, is getting better and better every week. Better and better every week. Jalen Milrow looks better and better every week. Um, especially if Nick Saban stops being this Aflac commercial guy and goes back to the old Nick Saban. I think everybody needs to watch out. Now you say, Zach, you've talked positively about both of these teams. Who are you picking? I, in the past, I, I've never, I've never been big against picking against Alabama. I picked them against Texas this year. Never been big on picking against Alabama, um, and it usually doesn't. It usually doesn't go back to bite me in the butt. Um, I, I trust, even though I don't like Alabama, I trust Nick Saban to win games when he needs to. But for reasons that I can't really explain, I'm feeling a Texas A&M win here. I'm feeling Texas A&M. Close. I think they win this game by a field goal. It's a close win. You know, if Texas A&M beat him two years ago with Zach Calzada, and he's awful, 
Max Johnson's actually a very competent quarterback. I think Anaya Smith's going to make some big plays in this game. Uh, Jake Johnson, Max Johnson's brother, is going to make some big big plays in this game. Texas A&M, there's been a lot of chaos in college football this year. I think it continues. I think Texas A&M could be the team that emerges out of the West. Give me the Aggies. I never pick against Alabama. Rarely do I ever do that. But I'm picking the Aggies close in this game. Uh, I think they can do it at home. Um, Mitchell, he's going to go with Alabama close. And he actually told me right before we went on that the only reason he picked Alabama, because he's notorious for picking against Alabama, and most of the time that doesn't work, but he told me right before we went on the show that the only reason he picked Alabama is because he thought I was going to pick Alabama. And he didn't want to lose another point in this game because he always picks Alabama and he's usually wrong. So he didn't want to lose a point, which that should tell you something, Mitchell. Maybe you should, if you're usually wrong about Alabama, then, then pick the opposite of what you usually do. But he's going to go Alabama close. Cody's going to go Alabama comfortable. And I understand that pick, dude. Like I said, Alabama's been getting better and better every week. And I would not be shocked if Alabama won this game comfortably. But something in my gut, and it's been working. I mean, I've got like almost a 20-point lead on both of them. Again, I've been getting a lot of my, I've been getting like 75% of the games right. Something in my gut, man, tells me go with Texas A&M. I'm taking the Aggies in this game. Next game, Syracuse at North Carolina. Syracuse, disappointed in their performance against Clemson last week. Thought they'd be able to keep it close. But Garrett Schrader's really all they got on this team. They don't have much of a run game. They're, they can't really get the ball downfield that much. Can't protect Garrett Schrader that much. Give me UNC. I feel like we haven't really talked about, like nobody's really talked about UNC since week one when they beat South Carolina. But they're quietly having a really good year. And I think Mac Brown would want to keep it that way. Give me UNC big. I just don't think Syracuse can do a whole lot offensively. They've got an okay defense and UNC doesn't have the greatest defense, but because Syracuse can't move the ball, won't be that won't be that big of a deal. Give me the Tar Heels big, and all three of us are taking the Tar Heels big in this game. Next one, UCF at Kansas. UCF at Kansas. Now, UCF, um, I think they're three and two this year. This is their first year in Big 12 play, and they've lost both of their debut games in the Big 12. And they and last week, they lost by one to a very bad Baylor team. They lost 36-35 to 35 against Baylor. Now, I know John Rice Plumley has been out for the last couple of weeks, and their backup quarterback does not look good at all. Um, that just shows you how bad that Baylor team is, that UCF went in there with a backup quarterback that does not look good and still almost won that game against Baylor. But UCF... I just, I don't know, man. Gus Malzahn, I, I like Gus Malzahn a, as a person, but I feel like he hasn't changed his offense since the camp, since whenever he took over at Auburn, like 2012. I feel like he hasn't changed his offense in the last 10, 12 years. And he's still running the same thing. And he's playing big boy football in, in a Power Five conference now and against a pretty good Big 12 conference now. Um, Kansas, I don't know if Jalen Daniels is going to play. I'm going to, I'm actually going to bank that. I'm going to bank on Jalen Daniels not playing because he's been dealing with his back injury for a couple of years. He misses a lot of playing time every year. And it's at home. I think Kansas wins this game regardless. But if Jason Bean plays, 
It's going to be close if Jalen Daniels plays. It'll be a big win. I'm going to officially for the uh, for the scoring. I'm going to officially go Kansas close because I think Jason Bean's going to play, and I think UCF's going to going to play decent enough defense to keep him in the game. But um, if Jalen Daniels is cleared to play, then I don't think this game will be close. But Mitchell and Cody are both also picking Kansas. Mitchell's going to pick Kansas close. Cody's going to pick Kansas comfortable in this game. Again, Kansas, my baby. I don't pick against them much. I'm not picking against them here. Um, Kentucky at Georgia. This is the first Georgia game that we've picked on this show because it's the first like really big game um, that we've the first ranked opponent we've played this year. And to everybody that said, oh, Georgia got such a soft schedule. Well, if you look at our schedule now, we're playing like four ranked teams in a row. Because nobody thought Kentucky would be this good. Nobody thought Missouri would be this good. Oh, not four ranked teams in a row because we're playing Vandy after this week. But like three out of our next like five games or something like that are against ranked teams. So not as soft as people thought it was. I digress. I'm going to pick Georgia comfortable in this game. Call me a homer, whatever. I don't think, I don't think Kirby Smart's going to let somebody run for over 200 yards two weeks in a row. Because last week, Auburn ran for over 200 yards on us. That was the first time in five years that anybody's run for over 200 yards on our defense. The first time in five years. And the deck was stacked against us last week. First time in five years somebody ran for over 200 yards, which which, which was 2018 LSU, and we got blown out that game. Kirby Smart was 0-3 when trailing by 10 points or more, by, by trailing by at least 10 points after the first quarter, was 0-3. Auburn had won four consecutive games, at four consecutive games against number one opponents at home. Um, and the crowd was, was rowdy. Like every, The deck was stacked against us. And we won the game. That just shows the grit and determination of this team. I think they're getting better. Now, I still stand by what I said, you know, just 15, 20 minutes ago on the show. I think this is the worst Georgia team we've had in three years. I still think we're good enough to Devin Leary has not been good. I don't know what happened to Devin Leary since coming over to Kentucky. He has not looked good. Now, in his defense, he hasn't had to make great plays because Ray Davis has been so good. Um but he, I have not been impressed with Devin Leary at all. But I think he, you know, and and I don't think Ray Davis. He's going to get his. He's going to get his yards. You know, he's going to get his. I think we still be able to keep him under 100 yards. And if they can't run like they did against Florida, they're going to have to throw the ball against us. And I don't think Devin Leary is going to be able to make the plays necessary to beat us. Um, again, I, I might feel differently if he was at Kroger Field, but I think Georgia finally looks like the way they're supposed to look this week and gets a comfortable win over Kentucky. Carson Beck has, has played very well. I've been so imp- I'm so proud of Carson Beck. I, I've been, he, he is my quarterback and I, I be- I've believed in him since day one. And I've been very impressed with the way he's played, especially under pressure. He made those mistakes early in the Auburn game, did not look rattled at all. Just went out there short memory kept playing the game and won us the game. Um, so big on him. I feel like our guys are starting to get more and more healthy. McConkie should be able to play a little bit more this week. Um, Dejon Edwards is getting better every week. So 
I, I like Georgia comfortable in this game. Um, Kentucky, look, they always keep this game close. They're always the pesky little Kentucky. So I wouldn't be surprised if this game is another nail-biter. Give me Georgia comfortable. Mitchell is going to go Georgia big, and Cody's going to go Georgia comfortable as well. Um, next one, Fresno State-Wyoming. This is like the first like group of five game that we've picked this year, um, simply because Fresno State's ranked. They're, they're 24th. There wasn't really many other games, really any other games that were better than this one um, with other Power 5 teams. Number 24, undefeated Fresno State with my, former UCF quarterback Mikey Keene and Wyoming, who's 4-1. and one, Their only loss was to Texas, and that game was, was within three points until the fourth quarter. So Wyoming's no slouch either. They've beaten Texas Tech. They kept the game close with Texas, and they've won their two other games pretty handily. So I think this will be an interesting game. I don't know a whole lot about both of these teams, but I'm going to pick Fresno State comfortable in this game. They've looked really good. I think they're probably the best group of five team this year, um, or at least one of the best, if not the best. So give me Fresno State comfortable. I know they're on the road against Wyoming. Wyoming's been a gritty team this year. They're a little bit more battle-tested, but I think Mikey Keene makes a couple more plays, and they win this game comfortable. Uh, Mitchell is going to go Fresno State comfortable, and Cody is going to go Fresno State close. Um, next game, Notre Dame at Louisville. Three weeks in a row that Notre Dame has had a big game. They lost to Ohio State on the last play of the game. They beat Duke in a big game last week, and now they're going to play Louisville. And I've been high on this Louisville team. This is going to be the hardest game Louisville plays this year. I think this is the toughest game they have on the regular season schedule. They're not playing Clemson. They're not playing Florida State. I'm not sure if they're playing Miami. I think they might be. This is going to be the toughest game on their schedule. This is going to be a big moment for them. This is actually the first time in history that both Louisville and Kentucky have started off 5-0 and each. First time ever. I'm big on this Louisville team. I like Jeff Brom. But I think that Notre Dame defense is just going to be too suffocating for them. Give me Notre Dame comfortable. I think I think they're able to turn the ball over, force some turnovers from from uh, from Plummer. I think Louisville will be able to stick with them for a little while. Notre Dame has shown that they can't really; they're not good enough offensively to really pull away from people. Um, but I think they can dominate the game in the trenches. I think they win this game. They hold Jack Plummer and that offense to to not very many points. Uh, I think they suffocate the Cardinals and beat them uh, comfortably on the road. Uh, and Mitchell's also going to go Notre Dame close and Cody is going to go Notre Dame close. And then the game of the week, the red river shootout, Oklahoma versus Texas. I hate that this game is happening at 12 o'clock Eastern. Wish it was a, wish it was a primetime game. So I'm going to be traveling that day and probably won't be able to watch any of this game, but Oklahoma, Texas, this is going to be one of the best Oklahoma-Texas matchups that we've, well, we've seen in a long time, if not ever. You've got Sark, the offensive genius, offensive mastermind, versus Brent Venables, defensive genius, defensive mastermind. We saw it last year. Both, both coaches were in their first year, though. And Oklahoma did not have Dylan Gabriel. They literally were playing a tight end at quarterback the whole game. They lost 49 to nothing. That defense did not have the correct personnel to run what Brent Venables wants to run. They have the personnel now. Their defense looks leaps and bounds better than they did last year. Um, and their offense looks very good, able to score a lot. 
so this is going to be a great game to and that Texas team is there's there's not really any weak spots in this Texas team. They haven't slept walked through a game. Oklahoma's had this game circled. It's their biggest rival. They lost 49 and they got embarrassed last year. They got skull dragged 49 to nothing last year. Don't think that happens again this year. I'm still going to pick Texas. I got Texas close. I think this is a very close game. Comes down to the last possession of the game. Wouldn't surprise me if it was like this game ended like 42-35 or like 45-42, something like that. I think it comes down to the last possession of the game. Texas wins it uh, just because their weapons are a little bit better than the weapons Oklahoma has on defense. But would not shock me at all if Oklahoma won this game. I think they're better than people give them credit for. I think they're probably a year away from being legitimate national championship contenders, whereas Texas is kind of already there. So Texas is a year ahead of Oklahoma. Um, so I think that's why they win this game. Texas wins this game close. Um, and it'll be a chance for Texas to prove that that Alabama win wasn't a fluke if they can win another big game like this. Mitchell's also going to go Texas, but he's going to go Texas comfortable. And Cody, he's going to pick Oklahoma close in this game. I respect that pick a lot. I like Oklahoma. If I had to pick a favorite team between the two, I would probably pick Oklahoma over Texas. I like the Sooners, but I don't see them winning this game. All right, let's go into our Superdog picks, and then we will wrap it up for the night. Um, Superdog picks. My Superdog pick, I'm going to go with uh, Rutgers covering the 14-point spread against Wisconsin. Rutgers is 4-1 and one against the spread this year. The only time they did not beat the spread was against Michigan, and Michigan has been destroying everybody, blowing out everybody, so that's not a surprise. But Rutgers, I don't think they win this game, but they've been surprisingly been able to play pretty well. They're only lost against Michigan. Then they're able to keep this game close. Wisconsin, you know, I think they're a good team. They're not quite where they need to be yet, and so I don't think they have the ability to really run away with this. Rutgers has a good enough defense to keep the game close. It's going to be Rutgers. Cover. I'm five for I'm five for five in my super dog picks. Five for five. And I'm gonna be six for six after this week. Um now my original pick was stolen by Mitchell. I let him have it just because he's because I'm because I'm in the lead. I decided, you know what, you're behind by a lot. I'll let you have it. I originally was gonna go with his super dog pick, which is Arizona covering the 21 and a half spread against USC. I think it's I think this is a lock, honestly. Um, Arizona looked looked pretty good uh, last week. Uh, has has looked pretty decent. USC fell apart in that second half against Colorado. They're lucky to not have lost that game. The defense just looked. They just looked like they gave up. They just looked like they stopped trying in the second half. And look, this is this is stereotypical Alex Grinch defense. He's not a good defensive coordinator, and I don't know why he still has a job. I still think USC is going to win the game, but I don't think USC wins by 22 or more. So I think this was a lock. Arizona, Jaden Delora has looked pretty good uh, this year. Arizona's looked looked not not half bad. So um, yeah, I think that's a lock. Great pick by Mitchell. I let him have it. And I took my backup. And then Cody, I tried to convince Cody not to take this pick, but he picked it anyway. He's going to pick Georgia Tech to cover the 21 and a half against Miami. I don't think it's a good pick, honestly, Cody, if you're listening to this. I love you, dude. Y'all got blown out by Bowling Green last week, and I know you demoted your defensive coordinator and all that, 
but your defensive coordinator and your defense is not the one that turned the ball over three times against Bowling Green last week. You turned the ball over three times against them, and you, you can't win a game like that. Um, Bowling Green is not a good team. Miami is a legitimately good team. So, look, hey, you might get it. You might prove me wrong. I mean, you guys won a big game against Wake Forest. Earlier this year, you kept the game close with Louisville in the first game. So, who knows? You could bounce back and get a close loss to Miami. But with it being, I think it's, I think it's in Miami. I think it's at Hard Rock. So, yeah, give me, yeah. I don't think it's a great pick. And I know he loves picking his Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. He wants us to mention them. So I understand. But I really feel like you should have picked a better a better one than that. But hey, watch. This week, Cody's going to be the only one that gets a super dog. And he's, he's going to make me eat my words. But anyways, thank you guys so much for watching this week. Um, again, you know, Mitchell was under the weather tonight, so he could not um, he could not record. We are trying to get us both back on the show at the same time. Um, you know, couldn't do it. We, we, we were wanting to do maybe a Saturday show this week. I'm going to be gone from Thursday to Saturday. Um, so that wasn't going to be possible. But we're going to shoot for next Tuesday. My wife's volleyball season is over, so my Tuesday nights are free again. We're going to shoot for next Tuesday. Us, be, us both be back on the show again, back on the regular schedule. But thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you uh, hit subscribe and uh, like our video. Subscribe on our podcast um, and just give us some good reviews. And remember our email. We do have an email, uh, mgzbsportsnetwork at gmail.com. Send us an email with some feedback, you know, if you want us to cover something or whatever. Um, But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. We love you guys. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Official Review. Before you go, I just wanted to give you a couple ways that you can stay connected with the show. First is our email, mgzbsportsnetwork at gmail.com. With this email, you can stay connected, ask us questions that we will answer on the show. Also, if you want to follow us on TikTok under the same name, we post very, very frequently about everything that's happening. And also, if you just want to check Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts Thursday morning at 8 a.m. for every single episode of the official review. Thank you, and we love you. Peace.